I'm Jasmine Moradi, and you are listening to the Power of Audio, Science and AI. My guest today is my new friend, Dr. Terry Fisher a sport and exercise physician and a clinical assistant professor in the Faculty of Medicine at University of British Columbia in Vancouver, Canada. In his daily job, he integrates his passion for medicine, education, AI, voice technology and e-health innovation. Terry is the host of the podcast Voice First Health, Alexa in Canada and Voice in Canada. Through all of his shows, he helps to facilitate voice-first technology literacy and speaks on how AI and voice-first technology are revolutionizing modern healthcare and our lives. He holds a Bachelor of Science degree from McGill University and a Bachelor of Education, Master of Science and a Medical Doctor degree from University of British Columbia. In this episode, Terry and I are going to discuss the ins and out of how voice-first technology is impacting and revolutionizing modern healthcare. With that, Terry, I welcome you and thank you so much for joining us. Hello, thank you so much for having me. This is a, a real honor, a real pleasure. So I'm really, really excited for, for this conversation. Thanks for having me. <laughs> You're welcome. So I want to know, looking back in the mirror, what was it in your inner motivational drive and the curiosity as a boy that brought you to medicine, voice technology and e-health innovation? Oh, what a wonderful way to start. Um, I, I've always loved technology ever since I was a little kid. All my favorite things to play with were you know, things that I could build and like radio controlled airplanes and cars and all this kind of stuff that involved technology. And so throughout my life, I've always just really been interested in technology. That's the bottom line. Uh, at the same time, I, uh, as I was going through school, I determined that I really liked the sciences. Uh, I found like biology fascinating. And then as I learned more and more, uh, I found that the area of medicine was drawing me to that. And so I went through school um, I, I, I did medical school and always though, I was very interested in that, in the, in the, the combination, the intersection of technology and also healthcare. Another thing that I did was, uh, I did an education degree cause I love educating. I love teaching. And so now through these podcasts and through the, through the different activities I'm involved in, I get to bring those passions together of education, uh, technology and healthcare kind of bring them together and, and help teach people about voice technology now. Mm, that is so lovely. And as you mentioned, you're the founder of several podcasts focusing on voice technology. So I want to know what is the story behind them? How did you start it all? And how come you chose voice? And what is your mission with them? So I, I first became aware of voice technology as a, as a subject matter, probably about four years ago now, approximately, maybe four or five years ago. And, um, you know, the first thing I became aware of was, was the, were these devices, Amazon Alexa devices. And uh, as, as I started to look into this a little bit, I started to realize that voice technology was going to have a huge impact on us. And given the fact that I, I do love teaching and I love technology, I thought, I, start, well, I started looking it up on the internet, as, as you do, when you have an interest, you start looking up things on the internet. And I started to look it up and I'm in Canada, as, as you mentioned, and I couldn't find really any resources for Canadians to understand what voice technology was about. And again, as, as I became more and more interested in it, 
I wanted to provide those resources for people. I started to realize the power of this. And I was like, somebody's got to be talking about this. Somebody's got to be teaching people because we're about to experience a big revolution in the way that we interface with technologies. And that was really the beginning of it. The first thing that I did was I launched my, uh, my, my Canadian uh, Voice in Canada. Actually, it was Alexa in Canada called at that time. And then I eventually changed it to Voice in Canada. And then people started asking me about, well, what does that have to do with you being a doctor? And I started to think about that. And I realized a lot, like there's a lot that healthcare is going to be impacted by through voice technology. So that's when I started the other podcast, Voice First Health. And it sort of just grew from there to the point that I now do events and, and, and this sort of thing. So it's, it's really exciting. Yeah, it sounds very, very interesting. And I've also had the pleasure to read the fascinating book, Voice Technology in Healthcare, which you have co-authored. So tell us then the story behind it and who, for whom is the book written for? Yeah, so um, this book that we wrote, uh, Voice Technology in Healthcare, um, it, it, we have uh, four co-authors. Uh, there's myself, there's David Metcalf, there's Dr. Sandhya Pruthi and, um, and Harry Pappas. And uh, these are a couple of people that I've got to know over the last couple of years in the voice and healthcare space. And we realized that there wasn't actually a book yet that was an overview of what is being done, what can be done in the kind of the future of where we see voice going and, and the impacts on healthcare. And so we got together with a number of people that we've met over the last couple of years and asked people to contribute to uh, write chapters uh, of course, you know, and those people that were selected for those chapters are subject matters in those particular chapters. And it's now really a, an overview book, uh, Voice Technology and Healthcare is what it's called. Um, the, the subtitle, I've got the book right here next to me, Leveraging Voice to Enhance Patient and Provider Experiences. And um, it's all about, like I said, an overview of what is and will be for voice. So, so I think the audience uh, that's going to get the most out of it are people that are interested in leveraging voice for some type of healthcare application. No, I find that really, really interesting. And I think it's very important also because of the sound around it all, but we'll get that to later. Um, in chapter one, you lead the reader through a brief of history of voice. Can you summarize some of the findings for us? Yeah, so, uh, you know, this is where I like to tell a little bit of a story. Um, I mean, and, and I will date myself here, um, but I remember when I was a kid, probably about 10 years old or something like that, and, and I came home from school and again, being fascinated by technology, my parents told me like we have this new gadget, this new technology and it's sitting in our, in our, you know, in our home office. And so I ran into the office and it was our first personal computer. And I remember it was a Tandy computer from Radio Shack and it was, um, and the computer just ran MS-DOS. That's what it did. It had the five and a quarter inch floppy disk and you put it in and you'd wait. And then eventually you'd get a text prompt and that's all we had, we had a keyboard. And so I, I, you know, I can't remember what I did, but I sat there for hours typing on the keyboard and, uh, and I had a lot of fun. And then approximately 10 years later, and it just so happens that we see that approximately every 10 years, there's a big change in the way that we interface with computers, a change in the operating system. So approximately 10 years after MS-DOS came MS Windows, Microsoft Windows. And that was the first time that you could use a mouse to like click on things and drag things around. And when that came out, it was, a, it was really magical. And so I remember spending time doing that and playing with the mouse and drawing things on the screen, all this sort of stuff. And then about 10 years later was when uh, Steve Jobs got up and introduced the iPhone. And so that was that was a big iconic speech. And, um, and that was really magical as well because now you had the computer right in the palm of your hand. So here's the thing though, for those three 
um, different technology evolutions, they always involved our hands on some type of hardware device. So it's either a keyboard typing things, it's a mouse clicking things, or it's a touch screen in our, in our hand and we're tapping and pinching and zooming and all this sort of thing. Now here we are approximately 10 years later and voice is coming on the scene. And it's a big difference because in those previous three scenarios, we as human beings had to adapt the way that we communicate with computers in order for them to understand us. We had to learn those skills of typing, clicking, swiping. But now it's flipped on its head. For the first time, because of the computing power and these technologies, AI, natural language understanding, natural language processing, the computers are adapting to us. And so they understand, the computers understand what we are saying. And we no longer have to have our hands on any hardware. As long as there's a microphone somewhere, a smart speaker, you can talk to the, the uh, technology and it can talk back. And that is a big, big shift that we're seeing right now. It's very interesting though, because a human has always had its voice that we didn't think about that first when it was created. Absolutely right. Like when you think about like our, our history as human beings, right? We would sit around, you know, as we learn, like people would use their voice to communicate. That's what makes us human. Yeah. Right? Um, and so we would tell stories and we would sing songs and um, like even now, right? When you think about how much of our, our, just our natural activities are centered around our voice, a birthday party, you sing happy birthday. There's a tradition, you use your voice. So there's so much there that is just so innate and so natural to us as human beings. And so being able to use our voice to interface with computers is very interesting to me. And in the book, you also talk about voice first. What do you mean with that? And what is the history behind it? Yeah, so so voice first is, is an overall theme of the way that uh, we're going to see uh, like I said, the interface with computers. The The term voice first was coined by uh, by a, a guy by the name of Brian Romley, who I think is an absolutely brilliant guy. Uh, I consider him a friend. I've had the opportunity to interview him. Um, he's often been referred to as the Oracle of voice or modern day Thomas Edison. He's absolutely brilliant. And he came up with this, this concept of voice first. And what that means is we are going to be interfacing with computers through our voices, primarily our voice voices first, voice first. Uh, it doesn't mean voice only because there are many circumstances when it makes sense to have a keyboard or a mouse and, and certainly have a screen to be able to interact with. But I believe, as, as does Brian, and it makes a lot of sense to me, that we will be primarily uh, interfacing with computers through our voice because it is so natural, because it is so easy to do that, uh, and for a number of reasons which we'll get into later. Um, but that's what the term voice first means. We're gonna be interfacing primarily with our voice. So it's gonna go that far then. And and how is gonna be then in terms of everybody just gonna, well, we speak every day. I'm just thinking like, yeah, it's so strange, like in a supermarket, everybody's just gonna ask stuff around. I don't know, well, right? Yeah, and, and in fact, we already starting to see that. There are some use cases with, with voice technology where you walk into a store and it's like the concierge or the or the help desk or whatever you want to call it is a voice speaker. It's a smart speaker. So you go up to the speaker and you just say like, you know, I'm looking for, I don't know, tell me where the aisle is to buy, you know, I don't know, tomatoes, right? Mm. And then 
it'll it'll tell you where to go or it can even give you recommendations. I know there was there was kind of a fun application that was developed um, where people would go into a liquor store and they're looking for um, recommendations on types of wine or types of um, drinks. And you would talk to the smart speaker and it would actually ask, you, you know, what are you eating? What's the occasion? And then it would give you a recommendation for a drink. So we're already starting to see that. Mm. Uh, it would be interesting to see if it's going to end up in libraries. <laughs> that would be, yeah, that would be interesting too. I, I think this is going to impact really all different niches, all different sectors, all different verticals eventually. Um, and people are going to be innovating anyway, trying to figure out ways like in a library, you should be, you know, you should be quiet, but how can you do it and so on. But I, I still feel a little bit in terms of it can be, uh, if everybody's going to speak, are we getting go away from that? We want a bit privacy and silence. <laughs> well, that's a good question. I, I, there are certain use cases where where it's not great to be speaking in in public. Um, you know, anything that you want to keep private to yourself, then you know it doesn't make sense that you'd be speaking that out loud. So that's a good example of a time when it might not make sense to be voice first, right? Mm -hmm. So there are times when it when it might not make sense. But I think primarily uh, because it's so natural, so instinctual, uh, we're going to be seeing this more and more. Mm. And then I want to know then from your lens and the experience you have, why is voice so compelling? And why are we literally on the verge of a voice technology revolution right now? <laughs> I love that question. This is one of my favorite <laughs> things to talk about. So uh, I've given this a lot of thought over the last couple of years. And, um, you know, the, the the way I think about it, I think there's five main reasons. And what I did was I tried to kind of make this into a framework that's easy for people to, to remember. And so I used the five letters of voice, V-O-I-C-E. Um, so for V, voice is very versatile. And what I mean by that is you can do multiple things when you are speaking. So you can multitask. So some concrete examples, you know, we could be, I could be speaking with someone and I could be driving my car at the same time, right? I could be working out. I could be, um, you know, if I had a, my kids are now older, but if I had a baby, I could be like bathing my, my kids while I am speaking. So that's something that's very powerful about voice. You can be multitasking, but for example, you shouldn't be like texting or, you know, or typing or anything like that while you're driving your car, right? It's just not safe. So that's something that's very different about voice. So that's the V versatile. O stands for omnipresent. And what I mean by that is Voice is sound, right? It's sound waves. It's all around you. And so I could be looking one way and somebody could call my name from behind me and I'm aware of that, right? But you can't do that with a screen or with text or anything like that, right? You have to be looking at it. You have to be using your eyes to be able to otherwise uh, get that message. So that's something that's, that's quite powerful about voice as well. It's just all around you. So that's omnipresent. I, we talked a little bit about this one already, but innate. And what I mean by that is we as human beings, we are born using our voices. The first thing that we do when we are born is we cry and it's just instinctual. And so if we can communicate using a, a way that is so innate to us as human beings, it's just so natural. And, and in fact, what we're seeing is because kids can interface with computers through speaking and because kids learn how to speak before they learn how to read or write, kids are actually able to interface with computers earlier than ever before. So they're growing up doing this. So that's the I. Uh, the C is contextual. And what I mean by that is you can hear the emotion in someone's voice. 
right? You can hear if I'm happy. You can hear if I'm sad. Uh, the example I like to give often is, you know, when my son comes home from school and I ask him, how was school today? He might respond, it was great, right? Or I might ask him how school was and he might say to me, it was great, right? The key thing is it's, it's the exact same words. It's the exact same words on text, on a screen, it would look exactly the same, but with voice, you can hear that difference. And that's actually got very, very profound uh, impacts in healthcare, and we'll talk, we'll talk about that afterwards. Um, and so that was uh, VOIC, contextual, and E is efficient. When we're speaking, we speak at about 150 words per minute. When someone's typing, the average person types at about 40 words per minute. So it's actually about three to four times faster to communicate through voice. And so for those, for those five reasons, that's why I think voice is so compelling. Because computers can now understand our voice, we're on this verge of something, uh, a big shift that's about to happen. Wow. And in the book, you also mentioned voice as the next operation system. And as you've just mentioned about your computer memories, mine first was, of course, Apple <laughs> and the snake. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And then I also hear this operation system, you know, when you had to connect it to internet. Uh, the, but also that voice assistants are being adopted at a rate faster than any other consumer technology in our history, including the mobile phone. So explain yes. this for us. Yeah, that's really interesting. So, I, you know, there, there's this graph that's often been shown in the voice in the voice first community. Um, and, it, and it's looking at the different types of uh, consumer technology. And that includes everything from um, like TVs to radio to, to mobile phones and other technologies. And it, and it the graph shows like sort of the adoption curve of how quickly people are, are adopting this technology. And smart speakers have the highest adoption rate out of anything that we've ever seen. So it's fascinating that people really are adopting this and even faster than a mobile phone, which, which surprised me, but that's the way it is. And so, yeah, getting back to the, the idea of the operating system, we went from, like I said, MS-DOS, in my case, my memories, MS-DOS to Microsoft Windows, to you know, a mobile operating system. And the next transformation here is gonna be voice as an operating system. Now, there are gonna be different companies and, and we're already seeing that, like Amazon has their sort of Alexa operating system. And then Google has their Google Assistant operating system and, and so on. Another one, Samsung has Bixby and there's, there's multiple ones being developed. Um, but the point is we're getting to that place now where you, know, you talk to a device, what operating system is that running? Well, it's, it's a voice operating system. And so that that's where I see that that transformation occurring, and it's already occurring. But is it going faster because we are already in this? Like we've developed so much in in technology uh, today than we did back then. I mean, a lot of people are today working with technology more than ever. So you're putting a lot of manpower into that. Of course, you know, when you say go faster, the, the, the ability and the, the products are there compared to before. Well, for sure. I think, you know, the, the rate of um, So it's innovation. not the voice technology itself. It's not like something that it's something with voice technology that the max it go faster? Is it because if it's the era of now? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I, I mean, there certainly is some, some truth to that. Um, as computers get faster, I think they're just the rate of innovation gets faster as well, right? It's exponentially faster. So, you know, the fact is, you know, we've come to this time right now and, and there's, there's lots of factors, right? There is that, that rate of innovation, the power of computing, um, the interest in voice technology, the interest in 
just even just in social audio that we're seeing with Clubhouse and, and other things like that, you know, it's really bringing voice to the forefront now and it's bringing it, um, you know, a lot of people are paying attention to voice now. So f- for sure, there's a lot of different factors there. Um, so it, it's hard to say what is the biggest factor, but I, I think the bottom line is they've all come together and we're in this place where, where voice is now uh, accelerating at, a, at a, an extremely rapid rate. Mm. So let's get into voice in healthcare. The on-demand healthcare apps brought revolution to healthcare, granting fast access. I remember my first memory was Doctor on Demand on Dr. Phil. And then a couple of years ago, actually, I was in the same room. I, I know the founder of the healthcare on demand here in Sweden called Kry. And in the book, you talk about the voice technology is the next transformation. You talk about the healthcare experience, the right healthcare at the right time, at the right place. How is this happening as we speak and how would it look in the future? Yeah, so that's a, that's also a really great question. So this kind of gets into the idea of the, the healthcare journey a little bit. My my experience with the Canadian healthcare system is different than yours would be and different than somebody else in the United States or, or, or just based on their healthcare systems. But one of the big issues, at least that I've seen in my experience, is because we have a, a public healthcare system, which is which is fantastic, there's also a lot of pressure on the system. The, the, like the healthcare workers are extremely overworked. There's lineups, there's waiting lists to get in to see the doctors. Um, and so one of the things that I'm very optimistic about with voice technology is it's going to help patients get the right care at the right time in the right place. So let me just explain a little bit what I mean by that. So I imagine a future where the patient is not gonna be waiting in line to see a doctor for so long they're gonna be at home and they're gonna be talking to a smart speaker, to a smart assistant. And that is gonna be the entry point into the healthcare system. And so that's gonna be, when I say like the right care, they're gonna start to be able to interact with the device and start to get some medical care by just by having a conversation. It's not gonna be everything for sure, like don't get me wrong, but it's gonna be an entry point uh, at the right time. So it's gonna be, you know, if somebody has a concern, they'll be able to have that conversation immediately as opposed to waiting in line to see a doctor Um, and at the right place. This is going to be in their home. So they actually don't have to go anywhere and it creates a decentralized healthcare system. So now all of a sudden the patient's not feeling well, they just talk to their smart speaker when they need it, uh, you know, in their home and getting some of the care they need right away. And I think that's going to be one of the things that we're going to see is going to start to revolutionize the way people access healthcare. Interesting. But with new technology, though, comes new challenges. Wouldn't people start to be concerned and ask questions around their privacy, security, data ownership around their healthcare information? So how is the voice community talking about solving this? Yeah, that's a really, really important question. And I'll be honest, I mean, there's no complete answer at this point. This is something that people are, are thinking about and, and discussing as, as we speak. Um, so there's a couple of ways to think about this. The, the first is, um, there's many ways to think about this. Um, one of the uh, one of the uh, ways is first of all, making sure that yeah, patient's data is, is protected, personal health information. And that's gonna come down to the creators of these platforms and these voice applications to prove to patients that they are, you know, respecting the data and it's not going to be, to be shared. Um, and it's going to, as with anything else, you know, if consumers, patients are not happy with that, they're not gonna use it, right? However, what I will say, the other side, the flip side to that, is that 
I believe that there's going to be such a, a, a convenience factor of using these devices in the home that patients perhaps will be more willing to give up some of that security and the privacy to be able to use the technology. And I'll give you an example, like something that we've seen over the past year, even with COVID, is that, um, you know, prior, prior to the onset of COVID, I was in my clinic every day seeing patients. Since COVID, we've, we've changed our model a little bit that I actually work from home now uh, a number of days a week. And I interact with my, with my patients through phone or through video conferencing. Now that certainly is less secure than having a patient come into my office, closing the door and having a private conversation. But patients love that experience, the, the video conferencing, because they don't have to leave their home. They're getting it in the right place uh, at the right time. And so that is giving up some privacy and security because, I mean, you know, theoretically that could be hacked and somebody could access their conversation, but patients don't care because they like that experience. Is it, that so, is it that they don't care or is it that they're not aware of it, that these devices do save it and things like that? Like before, we didn't know that what Facebook did with all the pictures and suddenly your picture could end up uh, you know, on a billboard or something. <laughs> That's a lucky, that would be nice for me. But um, you know what I mean? It's just like, there, there's two ways of seeing it. One is, are people aware of it? And yep. what are the data being used for? I mean, I'm for science, right? I think the voice technology and can help gather more data to understand yep. more about the human and the diseases maybe and so on. But at the same time, as long as from my perspective is not used to sell thing on me or in terms of marketing. So it becomes like a guerrilla marketing. Yeah, it's a, it's a good point. And, 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 you know, I'm sure that both scenarios exist. Some patients probably are not aware, um, but also th I think that some patients are aware, but they but they would prefer to use use the convenience. Another example is you know with with a mobile phone, right? I've got my phone here, and this phone knows everything about me, right? It's got my emails, it's got my GPS yep. locations, photos. You name it, it even right? listens it was, to you. Even and it listens. To you. It's got a voice assistant built in, right? Yeah. So this actually knows much more than a stationary voice assistant would. Mm -hmm. And yet, okay. how many people do you know would say, "I'm concerned about the security and the privacy, so I'm going to throw my phone away." Good one. No, good right? one. <laughs> so, so I think when people realize the convenience of what is available with the technology. You know, in this, like, do people say, I don't care? Or is it that they're not aware? I think most people in this case would say, I don't care because it's so convenient for me. Mm -hmm. But there probably are some people that don't know as well. So mm -hmm. that's how I kind of view the, the where we're going with voice. But having said that, like I said at the beginning, it, it's really important that the companies that are behind this are going to have some sort of transparency about what's happening with the data for sure. Mm, I think it's important, yeah. And also with each voice devices comes a sound it's either strategically designed or it's it's natural functional sound. And especially in healthcare, there are a lot of sounds considered unhealthy noise. So I wanna know, based on your knowledge and learnings from the sound design community, how should brands think around designing their voice uh, user interface? I love this topic as well, uh, because this gets into sort of, well, sound and music and all this sort of stuff. And I'm a musician as well, so I love this. Um, 
there's this whole area now. Uh, no, I shouldn't say now. It's been around for, for decades, but it's got a lot more attention now. The whole idea behind sonic branding and what that means for, for brands, but also a healthcare environment, everything. Everything has a, has a sound. And it's really, really important. It's really, really important that people start to think about what does your brand sound like? Not what does your brand look like? Because a lot of people can say that, you know, my brand is about this and it's about this, but what does your brand sound like? And I'll give you some examples in healthcare. When you walk into a hospital or you're walking in a ward, very often you're gonna hear like alarms going off all over the place. Like these, these buzzers and these like, you know, these harsh sounds, beep, 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 and all this kind of stuff. And it's, it's not a very relaxing environment as far as the sound goes, right? There's so much that could be done in terms of designing what you hear when you go into one of these uh, environments to make it much more relaxing. Like I was, I was actually, I think it was on another podcast we were, we were talking and, and uh, we just started brainstorming about this and, and we realized like, imagine if instead of all these medical devices making these harsh beeping buzzing sounds, they were all actually like nature sounds, but they had some sort of meaning to the nurses and to the healthcare providers. So instead of walking in and hearing all the beeping, you're walking in and you almost feel like you're in like a forest, but those sounds have meaning to the, to the nurse. Like, why not? And you know, what would that mean for the patient in terms of just being in a relaxing environment? They feel they close their eyes and they rest and it just sounds like they hear some water running or some birds chirping. And the birds chirping might mean, you know, nurse come check on this medication. But, you know, that's the kind of thing that if you really think creatively and innovatively, um, I, I think it's, I think it can be quite magical. The other thing from a more practical aspect is brands do need to think about, like I said, what, what do you sound like? So what's your persona? What kind of voice are you going to have? Is it going to be a very like official sounding straight voice? Or are you going to try to have your voice be more conversational and, you know, more, more sympathetic and this sort of thing. So those are all the types of questions and, and things that people should be thinking about in terms of what does their voice sound like? Hmm. It's very interesting. It goes again with the human, how, how are they thinking of the beginning? Because a lot of people uh, say, but we don't have a sound, but you do because your device has a functional sound, right? And yes. they say, but we don't want to focus on delivering on that is not in our budget. But at the same time, well, you have a sound that's giving an unhealthy experience and a stress and long-term negative effect for the patients. So it's never been like, it, it's probably a lot of research out there, but I don't think it's enough for brands to understand that it has a negative effect. It's not about just about, oh, we are pushing them to do audio branding, to have audio branding. It is actually because of a purpose of a health. What have you seen that hospitals or brands are doing right now in the voice first and healthcare space? Do you have any examples you can share with us? Yeah, so there's a lot there. I, I think you can think of the way that the voice experiences are being developed now in sort of four, approximately four main categories. There's sort of the informational type of voice experience where a patient can talk to a smart speaker and then it gives them information. There are some where it's more of a guide to your care. So it's actually kind of keeping track of what you're doing. Then you can get into the area where the voice assistant is actually starting to make a diagnosis. And then finally, you can get into an area 
where it's actually starting to treat a patient. And as, as you can imagine, as you go from one to the next step, it gets more complicated. There's also more uh, legal hiccups in there uh, and so on. But specifically, you know, where are we seeing this being used? Now, there's lots. I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, one is, let's say a patient goes in for surgery and then they go home. Uh, some surgeons have been experimenting with actually giving the patient a smart speaker to take home with them. And it's basically preloaded with a lot of the common questions that a patient might ask. Um, it gives them a, a, a guide to what they should be doing each day after their surgery. So it, it is acting like, almost like a nurse. It's acting like a, a guide to what can be done and the patient's asking the questions. And you know, oftentimes surgeons will get the same questions after surgery from multiple patients, right? They're very common questions. So it's such a simple use case where they can load this device with some of the frequently asked questions and patients can just ask it on their own. Um, the, the thing is always to remember that with these with these um, smart speakers, you know, if it can't do the job, then there's gotta be the healthcare provider who can step in to, to help. But that's one example of something that's being done. Another example is in the hospital, um, in, in a burn unit, for example, burns, unfortunately, people have bad burns, they're extremely painful and it's hard for them to move around. Um, and so it's such a simple concept, but you could have a smart speaker in the room and so instead of the patient having to try to move around to move their bed or turn the TV on or do whatever, just have a voice activated room. And so the patient doesn't have to move around unnecessarily and they can just talk to it um, or maybe call a nurse. Um, there's other things that are being done. There's a lot of research being done uh, to look at using voice assistance as a way to document physician's notes. So it's listening to an interaction. The, phys the physician talks to the voice assistant and it documents the notes uh, which is which is a big actually that's a big challenge right now in the healthcare uh, system. So those are just a couple of, of examples, but there's so many more. Yeah, and it's it, it just hit me something in terms of like if it's gonna go more and more voice first, what's gonna happen? I mean, there's not that many percentage, but there are people that are not able to use their voice. Are they gonna feel left out somehow if if majority is gonna be focused on that? Yeah, that's a really great question. And, and that's why I think it's really important to recognize that when we say voice first, it's not gonna be voice only. And I know it's very easy for us because we're talking about voice and I, and I get very excited about it to just think voice, 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 voice. But you're right, some people don't have the ability to speak, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so the, the inclusivity, the accessibility of the technology must always be taken into account as, where, uh, as well. Um, you know, there is some interesting technology that is being worked on as well that can, using a camera, watch somebody uh, using sign language and then interpreting that into text or into voice, not, not necessarily to voice, but it could be converted into voice, but in, at least communicating the message that they're trying to say and then interfacing with a computer that way. So, you know, there are ways to sort of work around that, but you're absolutely right. I mean, it is something that we need to think about and be accessible to everybody. But it's cool, as I just just to say, that there will be technology in helping them to express getting a voice uh, that they don't have in, in that. But it would help. But yeah, that's oh, that was such a great answer, such a lovely <laughs> just <laughs> imagining it in my head. Um, but they also talked about the voice technology is not just changing the experience inside uh, our clinics, but as you said, in our homes. And in your book, you talk about the future of diagnostics and evidence-based medicine. Uh, explain this for us. How will it work? 
Yeah, this is really fascinating to me. This is uh, an area that I think has a lot of potential. Um, and the best way to describe this, I think, is to think of digital photography, because people are familiar with photographs, right? People take photographs with their phone all the time. When you take a photograph, you, you get what's called metadata in your photograph, right? So you get, in addition to the actual image, you get things like it'll record if you want it to. It'll record what camera you use, like the type of camera, the aperture setting, the shutter speed, whether you used a flash, your GPS coordinates. So there's all this data that's collected in addition to just the image. Well, when we speak, when we use our voice, beyond just the words that we say, there's so much more data in our voices as well. The rate that you're speaking at, the, the frequency, the prosody, there's, there's hundreds, if not thousands of different parameters that you could detect in the voice. And it kind of goes back to that example that I was saying with my son, right? How was school? It was great, or it was great. We, we as human beings, we can, we can hear that difference, but here's the thing. If we can hear the difference, we can train computers using artificial intelligence to hear the difference as well, uh, using these language models and, and, and data sets. And now if computers can be trained to hear the difference, that means that they can now start to uh, report on those differences. And so they can start to tell you if this person is feeling depressed or anxious, or potentially if there is some cognitive issue, Alzheimer's, um, Parkinson's, and there's even been some studies that show that the way somebody speaks is correlated with their risk of coronary artery disease. And more recently, over the past year, there's a study and there's actually an application out there that helps to determine if somebody has COVID based on the way they are speaking. Wow. And so you can imagine that if you have this technology in somebody's home and they just start talking to their, their device, their device potentially could start to alert them if there is some type of medical problem going on just by listening to the sound of the voice. So that's really interesting. Wow. What I love about it is I live my life. My mom is a nurse and I live in terms of like, it's better to prevent of going to the doctors than wait for going to the doctors. And that's what I'm doing right now when I'm getting older is like, make sure that I know my levels and hormones and all of that. So I don't wake up one day and have to go to the doctor to do this. And this make it so... Uh, possible for that, that more people can start preventing their health. And that saves a lot of time for the doctors also to spend their time on people that actually need the help. That's right. You can be your own doctor. And what I'm also interested in know then, uh, you and I live in two of the world's top ranked countries with most developed public health care systems, Canada and Sweden. So how accessible and revolutionizing do you believe the voice first era will be for the countries with less developed public care systems? Yeah, that's also a wonderful question. And I'm quite optimistic about that. And the reason is that the voice assistants are actually relatively inexpensive. And so that means that countries that aren't, uh, aren't as off aren't as well off financially as we are, um, they potentially will be able to access this technology through relatively inexpensive hardware. And then once they've got the hardware, you're able to tap into these technologies. So, um, and you know, and then I, you know, when it gets to the, the, the coverage of internet and, and 5G, um, you know, as this becomes more and more accessible, 
I think that's gonna have an impact on that as well. So time will tell, but I actually believe because the cost is relatively low, that it's there's a lot of opportunities and possibilities there for some of the more developing countries. That's so beautiful. And you talked about 5G. And so what's your take on the future of voice in healthcare over the couple of um, years? What will be the relationship between voice, 5G and AI? Yeah, it's really fascinating. I, I, as you can probably tell, I'm pretty optimistic about this. Um, I think that as the internet gets faster, um, as more of these devices be, continue to be adopted, as we said, they're being adopted tremendously quickly. Uh, what this is going to mean is that we see decentralized healthcare. It's kind of like what you were you were touching on. Is that each person's home or any location that has this technology is going to be able to basically act like a medical clinic because you're going to be able to talk to the device and that's going to provide you with your guidance, your care, your diagnostics, etc. And so now the the healthcare system is no longer centralized just in a hospital or a doctor's office. It's decentralized among everybody's homes and it's like there's little mini clinics all around wherever people are. Um, but of course, being able to then tap into the healthcare system when you need it. So you can kind of go that that extra layer. Um, so yeah, 5G and all the all the uh, all the all the changes that we're seeing in in the internet and 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 just the speed and everything like that it's just going to be part of that that revolution that we see. And where do you think that voice will have the greatest impact? And what will be the limitations? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I personally am really excited about voice having the impact in the home, kind of like what we talked about a little bit. Uh, I I see a day um, where you know. We sort of touched on this a little bit, but where you like wake up in the morning and say you're not feeling well and you cough and you talk to your voice assistant. And as, as we as we described, it'll start to ask you questions like a doctor would. It'll listen to your voice and it'll start to make, you know, some some uh, diagnostic impressions about what could be going on. Um, you know, maybe it'll say you need some antibiotics. So you just tell your smart speaker like, OK, get me the antibiotics and then you get them delivered to your home. Maybe it's Amazon that delivers it to you, whoever it is. Right. And it gets dropped off at your home. And then you take the antibiotics, you talk to your smart speaker, it acts like a nurse, it makes sure you're taking all your medications at the right time. Uh, it makes sure that you're, you're recovering okay. If there are any problems, it'll, it'll, it'll alert you to that. Um, and, and so, you know, that's where I think we're gonna see the biggest impact is in the home, because people are gonna be able to go through this healthcare journey, as we talked about at the beginning, through the comfort of their own home, potentially without even leaving their home and just talking to, to the technology. Beautiful. And um, um, what is then next for you in the voice technology era? I just love talking about it, <laughs> to be honest. Um, what's next for me? As you can see, like I, I just I love speaking. I love educating. I love I love learning about where we're going. Um, so uh, I'm I'm continuing to you know create podcasts. I'm continuing to um, provide resources for people to learn more about it. One of the things that I'm really excited about uh, recently is since COVID started, actually, um, for the last year, I've been doing a, a series of monthly online voice events called The Voice Den, um, where it's it's uh, it's sort of done in the spirit of a live reality kind of game show networking event. So it's not it's not like just lectures or anything like that. Far from it. It's not structured at all. Um, but I'm just really excited to sort of bring the community together. I think that the more people uh, are talking about voice, the more it helps to push this industry forward. And that's ultimately what I what I what I think is going to impact the most people is just continuing to to be part of it, encouraging people, um, helping people where I can answering questions, con consulting and uh, just continuing to, to drive the industry forward. 
I think it's amazing what you are doing. Thank you, Thank so you much. very much for, for, for sharing uh, and educating us uh, about this uh, area. It's I think it's super important and I think brands really need to start thinking how to to work, uh, use the sound in this to bring us a better healthcare experience. Yeah, well, well, thank you so much. Uh, I, as you can tell, I, I love talking about it. So I, I really appreciate the opportunity to have the conversation. Uh, thank you for bringing the message. Thank you for helping to kind of get the word out about voice. And uh, it's, it's, been, it's been a wonderful opportunity. Well, that's all for today's episode of The Power of Audio, Science and AI. I'm Jasmine Moradi, your host, and thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and support by sharing this content on your social media. This episode is supported by Stockholm Music City.